You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. What is up, podcast land? Welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. I, as usual, am your host, Mr. John Hutspeth, and thank you so much for tuning in today. Man, I hope, I really, really hope that everybody was able to get out to the Backwoods show this last weekend. It was a fantastic show. Uh, went Spent most of the day on Saturday out there. Let me tell you, there was a crowd. It was awesome. It was very encouraging to see, uh, not just for the vendors uh, that were there, but also just for for hunting and fishing in general, for the state of Oklahoma in general, for the sportsmen and women of this state. It's just very encouraging to see how much participation we had out there at the Backwoods Show this year. So I had a heck of a time. I uh, got to you know hang out with the guys from Arrowhead Land Company, got to meet several uh, previous podcast guests, uh, got to meet some old friends, and, uh, and make some new friends. So I had a fantastic time, really took my time going through all the booths, talking to everybody. Got to meet a lot of great people. Uh, got to meet some companies and folks that I'm going to have on the show. So that's always good. Uh, and just, you know, spreading the joy to you guys. So like I said, I hope you made it out. Um, like I said, also lots of really, really cool booths. Um, I learned some things while I was there. Uh, found some cool products. And uh, not only was the Backwoods show going on, there was also a gun show that I snuck into for a little bit. And then I believe there was also a classic car uh, thing going on. Uh, I didn't actually go to it, but I heard a lot of revving engines and things. And I, I think I remember from last year that there was also a car show that weekend. So anyway, busy time at the fairgrounds. Um, anytime, you know, I, I really don't make it to Oklahoma City that much. It's just it's not super close to where I live. Um, and so, yeah, but anytime I get to go there, I, I really enjoy it. I really do. And, uh, man, watching it kind of grow and become what it's come, become today is pretty awesome. So, so yeah, great time in the city, ate some good food. Uh, like I said, talked to people, hung out, met some great folks, and y'all are going to reap the benefits of that, whether you made it or not, because like I said, several of those people are going to end up coming on the podcast. So, so yeah, great time there. Um, that's about all I did last weekend. Went to the show, uh, hung out with my, my wife and baby a little bit. My wife has been super, super busy the last few weeks. Um, and so we got to spend some time Saturday evening and then most of the day Sunday together. So that was really, really special. And, uh, so yeah, always look forward to that. Uh, man, it, it's continuing to rain, been raining. Uh, I, I really want to get some burning done on our place, even though it's probably still a little bit too early, but we're, we're getting close to the time to, to do all the controlled burns. Um, got my fire line set, but it is just a swamp out there. So I'm actually heading out to the ranch this coming weekend. Uh, my wife is leaving on a, a spring break trip. She's taking a, a bunch of youth to New Orleans to spread the gospel out there. And so uh, pray for her, pray for all the kiddos. 
And uh, so me and me and little Hallie, me and my baby girl, we're gonna head to the ranch on Saturday. Uh, getting some things ready for something that I have coming up uh, at the end of March, uh, early April, that I'm not quite ready to share with you guys, but I uh, got a, a, a fun event coming up that uh, I'm getting prepared for. So going to head out there, make sure everything's ready. Probably, I'm looking at the, the date right now, um, probably going to do my first real shed hunt, if I have time. Not sure I'm going to have time yet, but if I have time, I'm going to do my first real shed hunt. Um the the bucks that I had showing up on my camera. I'm not sure if the camera quit working or what. I haven't been getting any pictures from that camera. Uh, I didn't replace the batteries last time I was up there, but I thought the batteries were good. Um, but yeah, so uh, so anyway, yeah, not getting any pictures at all, really. But I am guessing by the time this weekend comes around, there should be some antlers on the ground. So getting ready to do my first real shed hunt. Like I said, hopefully if I have time. Uh, it's going to be fun, too, because like I said, I'm going to have my daughter with me. She's eight months old as of yesterday, I think. Uh, and so going to take the backpack strapper to me and, and do some walking. So really looking forward to that. Looking forward to get her out there. Uh, my goal is to take as many cute pictures of her as possible to send to my wife while she's away to make her jealous. And so that's kind of what I have planned, uh, with her coming up. And, uh, next week I'm going to be all on my own. My wife leaves on, uh, Saturday morning, super early and doesn't get home until Friday of next week. So I'm going to have little girl all to myself the entire week while working a full-time job. So we're going to see how that goes. Got lots of babysitters lined up, lots of help. Uh, my mom, uh, my wife's mom, my wife's grandma. So yeah, pray for me as well, uh, as my wife's away because it's going to be, it's going to be a time. So Let's see here. What else? I'm trying to think of anything else, guys. Um, I'm still dying to get my boat out in the water. I've not taken it out of storage yet. Uh, like I said, a, a big part of it is not necessarily how busy I've been, but how busy my wife has been, uh, which makes it just hard for me to break away with the baby and everything. But I uh, need to get the boat out on the water, definitely. Um, man, walking around at the Backwoods Show, seeing all the fishing booths, all the fishing guides, it makes me really, really want to get out there. Uh, ran into the guys from SNS Guide Service that I went crappie fishing with last year. Uh, so it was cool catching up. Uh, Les was not there. Les was at his show, but his son was there. And so it was great hanging out with them. And I'm telling you guys, I got the fishing bug. I just don't have the ability to get out there and do any fishing. So, so yeah, that's uh, that's my long rambly intro. I think that's pretty much all I got for you guys in this intro. So uh, at the time I'm doing this, I've not actually recorded my uh, episode that I'm just about to drop with you guys. But I got home from work a little bit early, so I figured I'd get a jump on it. Uh, so yes, I have not recorded the episode, but I'm sure it's going to be a good one. I have the guest lined up and everything. Uh, we are going to be talking today to Mr. Keith Williams of A&M Calls. And so I, this is one of the guys that I met at the Backwoods Show. And he has a very, very unique, really awesome turkey call that we're going to be talking about. And so I don't know what all we're going to get into, if I'm being honest. Uh, I have some questions lined up, but... I'm sure it's going to be centered mostly around turkey calls, so hope you guys enjoy it. Turkey season's right around the corner, so uh, man, yeah, pay attention to this, order one of these calls, and get ready for turkey season. So that's going to do it. We're going to get a quick word from our sponsors, and then we're going to jump into the episode with Mr. Keith Williams right after this. If you're anything like me, you probably dream of owning your own piece of hunting or recreational land someday. If that's you, give one of the hard-working agents at Arrowhead Land Company a call. They will not only guide you through a complicated process, but also help you pick out the perfect property for your needs, whether that's hunting, farm and ranch, or just a little piece back in the woods where the warriors of the world can't reach you. Arrowhead Land Company, hard-working agents for hard-working landowners. I was reading some research done by the Mississippi State Deer Lab the other day, and they said there are basically two types of bucks, some that live almost their entire life in about 600 acres, and some that have multiple home ranges that vary by different times of the year. As I was reading, I thought there was no better argument for Deer Lab than that research. Deer Lab can help you shrink down that home range and narrow in on where that buck will be with certain types of conditions. Go check them out at DeerLab.com, and don't forget to use my code OKLAHOMAOUTDOORS at checkout for 20% off. I know there are some people listening to this podcast that have little to no interest in deer hunting, but still love to get outside. If that's you, private water fishing has your back. 
Simply head to their website and sign up for your membership, and you will immediately have access to private lakes all over Oklahoma and Texas. No one to bother you or take your spot before you get there. Just a great experience all to yourself. Check it out at privatewaterfishing.com. There is truly no place like the great outdoors in Oklahoma. When you're out in the wild, you want your wireless devices to work. Unlike other carriers, Bravado Wireless believes that coverage in rural areas is important so that you stay connected. With competitively priced plans and coverage where you need it, the mission of Bravado Wireless is to keep you connected no matter where you are. Visit bravadowireless.com or check them out at one of their retail locations. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. Hey everybody, welcome to today's show and today I'm talking to Mr. Keith Williams. How you doing, Keith? Man, I'm doing fine. That's awesome. I, I got to ask you real quick before we kick this thing off. I'm looking at your business card right here, and right on your business card it says Keith Bobcat Williams. Is there something to oh, that? Oh, man, that's, that's a great story right there. Back I was, a, I was a pretty big trapper back in the day in um, the 80s. You know, I got really good at it, and I was catching a lot of stuff, and I was, I was making some money at it, mm-hmm. and I was into it really big when the fur prices bottomed out, and I Went to a first sale in Malvern, Arkansas, and they offered me six dollars for great big old giant bobcats, and <laughs> I just, I just wouldn't swallow it. And I brought them back home and got the urge to make a fur coat, and it took me a couple of years to get it all done. But one of my friends, first time he saw it, he said, pointed his finger, said Bobcat Williams, and it stuck. So <laughs> there it is. Awesome! I love it. That's a great start. Great start. Awesome. Well, Keith, real quick, before we uh, start talking about turkey calls, why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Well, I've been a hunter and an outdoorsman all my life. Um, I was kind of a serious kid. I always wanted real guns, real knives, real hatchets, all that kind of stuff. I grew up, I'm just a country boy. My hometown, Junction City, Arkansas, Louisiana, we got about 14 or 1,500 people here with one red light. It's pretty much been about that same size for years and years. I got, you know, I, turkey hunting's not really my thing, but I've been a carpenter all my life. And when I started working on calls in 2012, my carpentry skills guided me, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I realized really fast that turkey call making is carpentry. Mm-hmm. And I put all that together. No, I just, I, I, I took off. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was it was easy for me to it was easy for me to to come up with some stuff. I shouldn't say easy, but I did come up with some stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Trial and error, trial and error is a lot of it. It always is, and if anybody tells you any any uh, it describes it any other kind of way, they're sort of mm-hmm. might be stretching it a little bit. You know. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. All right. So, so you have AM calls and AM uh, calls. And real quick before we kind of get into you know get into the weeds, why don't you just kind of describe the call a little bit and you know what it well, looks like and what it's made of? You know, a lot of your traditional. I started out making your traditional pot call. Everybody calls it a pot call. Well, that was my first call, and since that time, I've designed other types of calls. Uh, you know, uh, I designed a little call that's got multiple birds in it, and a, a guy from Illinois called me one day. I couldn't think of a name for it. And um, he said, Bobcat, how'd you get all those hens in that box? So I named it Box of Hens, and, you know, some, somebody gives you something really nice, you better take it, you know. Mm-hmm. So that was name. It stuck. So, you know, basically, I, I do, I still do have a pot call, but it's not my best seller. Now I've got a box of hens. I've got a design that's still patent pending. It's got two striking surfaces on the same side. And it really got awesome sound. So I'm not, you know, um, I'm not just let myself settle with one product. Mm-hmm. I developed a adjustable striker that's probably my best product. Um, when you ch- it, you, it allows you to change the length of that striker. It lets you adjust to your pressure and your grip and everything. And it works on all calls, all friction calls, and it's it's just awesome. I mean, everybody that's ever put their hands on one, just you know, they just loved it. Mm-hmm. My main component is petrified wood, 
and the story about that, you can read it on my website. It was really an accident, to tell you the truth. I mean, it. some things happen that way, you know. Mm-hmm. Just a relative made me, just insisted on me taking some petrified wood home with me, and it sat in my yard for a couple of years. And came in one day, I'd been doing some tile work, and I came in one day with my tile saw, and I just got the curiosity bug hit me, and I started sawing it up and making tabletops out of it and knife handles. And first thing you know, a friend of mine comes by, and he has the idea. He just sprang up the idea about trying it. It might make a turkey call surface. And so it eventually made its way there. That's what got me started. And what I've really done, though, I've designed my calls to play with petrified wood. So I didn't take just your average pot call that everybody else makes, your traditional style call. Um, I break the rules every step. I, I broke the traditional style of building a pot call every every kind of way you could until I came up with my own little design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they're beautiful calls for sure. And, uh, man, like – the idea to use petrified wood, to, I mean, it just never even would have occurred to me. Like, I, I wouldn't have even thought that was possible. Well, so. you know, sometimes things just happen. You know, mm-hmm. I, my friend came by my shop in 2010, and we mentioned it. He mentioned it. We talked about it. He came by in 2011, and we talked about it some more. And in 2012, when he came by, I just dropped everything I was doing and made a crude circle and grabbed some five-minute epoxy and top and and back and i mean we went to the patent attorney the next week i mean it just happened it's just just you know it's just i looking back it's sort of like a maybe a little bit of a dream to it you know i mean mm-hmm. it's been sitting out there all that time and nobody's ever tried it i mean it dries in 15 minutes if it gets mm-hmm. or 10 minutes usually and it just got it's got its own sound. It's 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 as different as petrified wood to slate is as different as there as much difference as there is from glass to slate or aluminum to slate. I mean mm-hmm. own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, one thing I like you were nice enough to give me one at the show and I'm sitting here looking at it. Uh one thing that's nice is just the size of it. It's a lot smaller than your normal yeah, pot call. Box of hens, don't you? I think that's what I get. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh-huh. That call, I mean, I've really sold a lot of those calls. And, uh, you know, I underestimated this turkey, not being a big turkey hunter. Well, I'll tell you, turkey hunters don't share info very much. They like to keep a <laughs> little bit on the quiet side, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's, that's been kind of hard for me to overcome. But, I mean, it's in, as time has gone on, I'm, you know, I'm having people now, it's, it's kind of, starting to get out there a little bit i'm having people walk up to my show and you know really other call makers actually which is a great compliment you know mm-hmm. so i'm, I'm kind of coming out of the coming out of the uh dark a little bit you might say after 10 years yeah i <laughs> gotcha. gotcha yeah after year, yeah uh-huh. all right well, I think most of the people listening probably know what a you know traditional slate call looks like. Right. Uh, but why don't you, yeah, just right. for the people listening, why don't you describe your, your uh, box uh, of hens here? A box of hens is approximately, let's just say it, it's 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 on a two to three proportion. If it were two inches wide, it would be three inches long, mm-hmm. uh, and it's and it's closed on three sides, so it's open on the end, and you can turn that thing like a megaphone sort of and throw that sound out there. Mm-hmm. it's just you know i'll be honest with you i i probably have missed a lot of opportunities to to get some great footage if i'd have had a camera set up where i could have just turned it on because the look on people's eyes when they hear that thing i mean mm-hmm. i had everything from one eyebrow raise up an inch to two eyebrows raise up an inch to i mean it's 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 really got a really really i really hit something with that design because it doesn't matter if i put glass or slate or aluminum or petrified wood in that box of pins it sounds good and that's mm-hmm. like something about a call because you normally don't get that yeah you just don't get it mm-hmm. i got you 
Now, as far as, uh, you know, striking this thing, is there a big difference between using this and your regular slate call? No, there is, and that's a good question. Petrified wood is rough. You got to you got to remember remember even if you take a piece of wood and it's a lot of times even when it's gone through a planer and, and been take made smooth, if you if you run your fingernails kinda hard across the grain a lot of times it still can even feel a little bit rough. So when that tree petrifies and turns to stone, it keeps the, the grain of the wood in it. It it can see it. And it, it basically stays in there. It doesn't ever come out. So it's a it's much different from slate because you don't have to put a lot of pressure on there. You get mm-hmm. you get on my call and just float around. If you you just float around with almost no pressure. And there's a lot of there's a lot of pretty darn good callers that actually you know, struggle with it sometimes because they're so accustomed to when you hit a slate a lot, a lot of the times you'll kind of hit it, come down with pressure and then lift off. And with the petrified wood, it's it's just more of a travel and a scratch type thing. So it is very, very, it's very easy to use because of the pressure situation. And it, it ruins a lot of, a lot of hunters. They get to where they don't even want to use slate anymore. (laughs) It's, it's, Mm -hmm really easy to use and you don't have to sand it and clean it very often just every once in a while it will, it will fill up with debris and mm-hmm. it's 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 awesome i'm gonna tell you yeah yeah it really and and let's say you've been hitting it for a while and you need to to rough it up a little bit how do you suggest doing that if you well now here's another little catch um slate is quite consistent in its hardness unless you Get the green slate or the red slate or whatever. It's sometimes a little softer, but the the dark black, the blackish gray slate is normally pretty consistent. Well, petrified wood varies, and every now and then, you know, I get one that's a little extra slick. And mm-hmm. what I do is, because I can hit one one lick almost, and I I or sometimes reach down and touch it, and I know what I'm dealing with. But if if somebody has a piece that starts to get polished off and starts to get a little slick, they just get a little rougher with it. Looks like some sixty or eighty grit sandpaper and sand it with mm-hmm. brain. You just get a little bit more physical with it. So that's all you have to and scratch it back up a little bit. Gotcha, gotcha, man. I got to ask this question, and uh, if you don't want to give away your secret, I understand. No, but I, where, where where do you get all this petrified wood? Well, you know, and, and if you follow the Arkansas-Louisiana line going east and west, you know, we have a lot of petrified wood in our ground here. And um, there there are people who have tried to dig ponds, and they dig up pieces, you know, half big as a car and all kinds of stuff. It's it's a lot more common than one might think. I mean, we don't. In, in South Arkansas, in my part of North Louisiana here, we don't we don't have our farmers like we once did. So the ground's not tilled quite as often. But you can get on some of these hills in our area, and you you could find you can find it anywhere. And there's mm-hmm. places down in Texas where it's just everywhere. It's it's not absolute. It's not uncommon to find petrified. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. And there's right. a lot of it too, by the way. What was that? Arizona has, happens to have a lot of oh, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, gotcha. I, I can see the conditions being there. I just don't see the trees being there. Well, and you know what? As Mother Nature petrified wood, it took a certain it took a certain type of environment and the minerals. Everything had to be just right. And Mother Nature, a lot of times, just didn't petrify a piece the size of your finger. Mother Nature mm-hmm. petrified the entire tree. Mm-hmm. Well, over time, it it uh, it'll get broken up and stuff as the ground shifts and freezing and thawing and all that kind of stuff. But where you, there are areas around here where you can't even hardly stick a rod in the ground because the petrified wood is almost solid. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Very cool. Very cool. Uh. Now, when I when I walked up to your booth the other day, you were talking to a gentleman and showing him the call and everything. And um, 
he had one of your box of hens, and uh, I heard you say that you know it's a little bit quieter of a call. And the yeah, oh, now that, that I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, a lot of the turkey calls that you see, and I and I'm not I'm not going to sit here and bad mouth anybody's product because any turkey call can kill a turkey. I mean that's mm-hmm. a fact. And and uh, turkeys don't sound so perfect, you know. They don't. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, like the great competition callers that you see, they may not sound just like that. So one of the qualities that my call has is how soft it will play. Now, if you get if you get on down with some pressure, it will get plenty loud enough. But it'll, it will also call so soft that you and I couldn't hear it 50 yards apart or even 40 mm-hmm. But the bird may, able, may be able to hear that two, three hundred yards or farther. Mm-hmm. But but a lot of calls will not. They they might get soft, but they don't sound like a real bird when they get soft. And mine, mm-hmm. because I have made my calls a, a, a good bit thinner than most most pretty much everybody. I have mm-hmm. got a very very lightweight call. It's very it's thin but it's strong, and it's it's. It will really. It plays more like a guitar than a than something that like a rattle box, if you want to use that. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it my, my calls are very unique, and I, every and I have I have some more a couple of more designs I'm working on, and I'm I'm going to stay with the lighter weight product. I, I do believe I'm on I'm on a, I'm concentrating on that as I move on in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I. I as I was sitting here playing with it and looking at it and thinking about that comment, you know, I thought of kind of two good situations that could be good. One, you know, when you first sit down and you're going to make your first call, you know, there may be a bird close that you don't know about. Yeah. And that quiet call might be enough to make him, you know, sound off Yes, or kind of in, in the opposite situation. Maybe you've been calling at a bird for a while and he's not committing. He's hung up out there on a, a fence or a creek bed or something you know, hit this thing. Maybe it makes it sound like, you know, hens going away. Maybe it makes things like farther or just a different hen altogether. You know, maybe there's more than one hen over there. So I definitely, uh, there's, there's no uh, doubt you're, you're onto something there because if, if that bird, a lot of times if that bird has gobbled at you, it knows where you are, mm -hmm. you know, their hearing is just phenomenal. And all, a lot of people I'm afraid call too much. Mm -hmm. I just think they, they, you know, a lot of a lot of guys that they they put a lot of confidence in their calling. Maybe they're maybe they are good callers. They'll live and die by the call. Mm-hmm. You know, and duck hunters do it. Duck hunters will tend to want to call too much. And I I just I mean the show at Oklahoma. I had a it wasn't it was a show where I had a little bit more time to talk to some people and spend some time with them. And I. Had, gentleman there who has a thousand acres to hunt on and it's just full of birds and he couldn't kill a bird on it and i just said look man i he told me he said look i'm not that good a hunter and i don't know what i'm doing and i said well tell me what you're doing and and i'll see if i can help you some and he was making a couple of real big mistakes like getting in the timber when he did really didn't need to you know he was mm-hmm. fooling around accidentally and getting up under birds which is not good mm-hmm. and um I just told him he was calling way too loud and, and, and probably a little too much. I, I know that guy's going to kill a good one this year. I can't I can't wait to hear from him. But, you know, it's just it's, they can just hear so much better. That's why you can't walk around with cans rattling in your bag and, you know, and this and that because they can just hear it so far. And they know mm-hmm. that's not a turkey. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's. They don't. They don't run around screaming all the time. So they're very. Mm-hmm. After they do their little thing in the morning, you know, those woods can get mighty quiet very, very fast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say somebody's you know comes up to your booth and maybe they're a beginner turkey caller or something, kind of like you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. What uh would you recommend them get? Maybe a box of hens, or would you oh, rather my box, them get oh, maybe yeah. the? Oh my box. Yeah. My box of pens is, you know, I designed that call thinking about ladies and kids. Uh, mm. Strictly, I designed it strictly from a hand size perspective, I, mm. and uh, it's just it's perfect for it's 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 a great call for anybody, but it, especially you know the teenagers, 
And, and, and even smaller than that, I mean, I've had some seven and eight year olds. I, I, I had several under the years of eight get calls out at Oklahoma City this past weekend. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that box of hens is, and, and the fact that you don't have to put all that pressure on it, you just travel on it a little bit. And when you, when you want to put on that thing, I, I tell the kids to just put a little weight on that thing and make believe you're picking a guitar string. So you play the little thing, you pick it. So you play it actually more like a guitar than you do anything else. And it, mm-hmm. it's just perfect for beginners. And, and it's yeah. owners also. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then you mentioned earlier um, your adjustable striker. I want to make sure we talk about that a little bit. Oh, man. Uh, just describe it and kind of the benefits of it and, and why you might need one. I went to a show in South Carolina a few years ago when I walked up to a table that had a real beautiful setup and he had a corner booth and he had maybe 20 calls out there, maybe 30 at the most. And all the rest were strikers of all sizes, all prices, all everything. So I, I'm on the way back, all the way back. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of adjustable striker and you know, and, I couldn't get a mental picture of it, but eventually it just popped in my head. And then I, I started trying to make sure I could, what components I had to use and all that. But it, you know, I explain it like this to people when they come up. If you bought a $500 striker, let's just say you, you bought one, you're going to have to sand the end of it after you use it. And every time you sand it, you're taking off just a little to when you recondition it. And after mm-hmm. one, may, almost two years guaranteed, you're going to have taken an eighth of an inch off of it. And that's all it takes to change that sound. That's why that adjustable striker is so awesome. I mean, it is. It is awesome. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, I heard you talking again. I think the same gentleman, you know, you're talking about you could, you know, adjust it, find the spot you like and make a mark yep. there. But yeah. then, but then you could adjust it to get different sounds, but sure. you still know where your where your locked in spot is. Sure. You know, um, if I get that thing in mass production one day, I might figure out a way to put little graduated marks on the on the shaft of the striker. But you just get out it, there again. Everybody's going to be a little different, so you just get out in your yard or out in the woods, and tune that thing to where you like it. I just get when you mark it around the base of it there where the shaft goes up into the top of it. It just gives you a reference point. That way you don't, you're not intimidated at all about moving it back and forth a little. Yeah. That, but we, we, with, with our, our hearing allows us to hear about every quarter inch difference in, in the length of the striker and the bird is just for him. He can hear just a minute amount. I mean, it's, I didn't, I'll be honest with you, when I designed it, I didn't know it was going to work so well. <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah. You know, one, uh, definitely probably not why you designed it that way, but one handy uh, feature is, you know, you can unscrew it and shrink it down, put it in your pocket. You know, you, and then when you get where you're going, you can, you know, take it back out. I've had a lot of people mention that. That is, that's, that is correct. You sure can. I've even had some guys that, that have taken and taken their call and drilled a little bitty hole on the back on both sides and put a little string through it and tie the striker to the call because they didn't want to lose it. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, we'll talk about, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's kind of the same as most, uh, most slate calls, but talk about the different sounds you can make with your call. I mean, anything you make with a slate call, can you make with these, you know, yeah, pretty, pretty much. Let me, I don't even, I don't, here I am doing this interview with you and I don't even have one with me. Um, <laughs> you can pretty much, the only thing that my call does not do is it, it, it does not have a super, super loud yelp, mm-hmm. but it will cut real loud. When you put, pre- mm-hmm. I, don't, I mean, you don't ever know what you're going to get out of a call. And that's, that's, that's the only if you want to call that a shortcoming, it still has a yelp that's plenty loud, but it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It will not scream like one of your larger pot calls. It will not do that. Gotcha. That, but gotcha. that's you know. Other than that, it probably has a it 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 has purrs that are unlike any anything that 
that uh, most any pot call is going to produce. Even my own calls, I, my own pot calls, I can't make them sound like that box of hens. I cannot. Hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, uh, I got a, I got one or two kind of random questions for you that I want to talk to you. But uh, before we, before we move away from your call, uh, is there anything that I'm missing? Anything you want to let people know about it? You know, no, you 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 know, I told you when we spoke that that uh, you know I've asked answered all these same questions about I don't know twenty five thousand times, but <laughs> you've asked pretty much about the normal things. Uh, mm-hmm. Um. The petrified wood is just it's it's I'll just put it to you like this. If you've not if you if you're sitting out there and you're saying to yourself, Yeah, I wish a new product would come along and what well it has came along. Mm-hmm. You just have not heard about it. Um yeah. a lot of times there are a lot of small operators like myself that have really good products, but we don't have tens of thousands of dollars to advertise. Mm-hmm. So there are some, there are some, there's some good products on the market, and I see some other calls that are really good calls that I like. But a lot of these guys may never get in in the industry on a, on a on a large scale. So you know, do your homework and ask other hunters. It's, I mean, that's that's important. You know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm I'm, st- I'm going to start doing a little bit more Facebook um, advertising this next year. But if 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 all the people that have bought a call from me would have been sharing the information, I would have already worn the skin off of my fingers. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, yeah. I understand. I really, mm-hmm. I understand not some, somebody wanting to share because, uh, when you, when you, a turkey's not the, he's not the easiest thing to kill. Mm-hmm. And, um, especially the old bird. I mean, that's the one everybody wants. You don't, you don't, you don't want the two or three year old. You want the four or five year olds, and they're very tough to take. It's just just yeah. simple. You know they mm-hmm. they don't run in every day, and they they've heard everything. Tough. They're 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 pretty tough. They are. They are absolutely. Yeah, but absolutely. People don't go around singing your praises, and I have a lot of I have a lot of customers that come back to my booth, and every now and then somebody will walk up. When I'll have 20 or 25 customers there, and sometimes I'll look at them and i say, look, I didn't pay this guy to do this. <laughs> oh, I mean, uh-huh. they'll have funny looks on their faces, but but uh, my calls are very unique. I'm going to tell you, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, 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 I could pick, if there were 500 people lined up using a call, I could tell you when you came to my to my box of hens. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it doesn't sound like anything else. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely look forward to using mine this spring, and uh, if I if I kill a big old gobbler with it, I'll be sure to send you a picture. Well, please do, because you're <laughs> one of. <laughs> I tell you, I had a lot of people. I had a really, I really liked the back the backwoods show. It was a it was a really good show, and I had a lot of nice people who swore to me they were gonna send me a photo. But I'm, I mean, you know, I'm just gonna keep my fingers crossed about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, I want to switch gears just a little bit. Uh, I I didn't have this pre-planned, but, uh, you know, when you first came on, you were talking about how you used to be a trapper. Oh, yeah. uh, And that's something that, you know, relates to turkeys maybe even more than you realize. Uh, You know, it's no secret that turkey populations are hurting across most of the United States. They are. And... You know, they think a big reason for that is nest predators, and a big reason for the nest predators is because you don't have as much trapping as you used to. Is that, I mean, do you agree with that? I would have no yeah. doubt that that's correct. I, I'm yeah. a guy out there at Oklahoma City that told me on how many uh, pictures of raccoons he's getting on his on his feeders. He's just mm-hmm. unbelievable. He said they're more yeah. than ever. Yeah, you know we got like in South Arkansas where I am. They when they cut our timber over, they'll cut the timber down and the clear cuts come up, and then man, your predators are just as thick as flies in there. Your bobcat mm-hmm. and everything else. So yeah, there's no doubt. Nobody, almost nobody's trapping anymore, or because yeah. the hydra just worth nothing. And yeah. 
I, you know, I, I did volunteer to the gentleman, uh, in the, that's the director in the state of Louisiana. I told him that I would, I would teach a trapping course if they, if they needed somebody to, because I, I've got no doubt in my mind that, that it would help. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. It's just a dying. It's a, a few years ago. I went to the dump here, and there was somebody had thrown away six five-gallon buckets full of traps. Mm. And man, I just I know some old trappers that were probably turning over in their grave, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. When uh, I mean, when fur prices were up, like you were talking about back in the eighties, were you trapping everything? I mean, were you yeah. raccoons and bobcats yeah. and everything? Yeah. Hmm. I had one stretch. Uh, my biggest years were 85. I mean, when I had really gotten good at it. So like to say in 1985, I was 25 years old. So I was, I mean, I could, I could run traps all day and skin animals for three hours without any problem. And mm-hmm. 85, 86, 87, right in there. I mean, I trapped really hard. I had a stretch where I caught 275 coons in 22 nights at one mm-hmm. And yeah. I've had times where I had the whole bed of my pickup truck. It was game in there, and it was sticking up above the bed. So I, yeah. I would water. I would have water sets and predator traps. And when I went into an area, I was I would be catching a balance of animals out of there: beaver, otter, mink, everything. See, mm-hmm. so you know nobody does that anymore. Yeah, I don't go around in the woods at night. But there's just no telling what you would see if you went down into some of our bottoms and and turned on the light. Mm-hmm. I can just only imagine because nobody coon hunts anymore. Yeah, and that's got to be, got to be everybody pretty much straight across the board agrees that that's a a large problem. Of course, it's hard to say exactly how much of a problem. Uh, the Oklahoma guys were talking about um, disease got them, like uh, avian flu or whatever it was, and I'm and I'm. Mm-hmm. That was a that 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 hurt, that didn't help any. And in yeah. Illinois here a couple of years ago, they had a gnat. They had a thing a year. The temperature, everything was just right, and they hatched out gnats by the buffalo gnats by the billions, by the clouds of them. And mm-hmm. I think it suffocated the because it kills it killed people's chickens in their in their mm-hmm. in their yard. So mm-hmm. I think those gnats hurt the turkey population up there so you know nature nature can nature can be cruel mm-hmm. absolutely and you know it it seems like and you know i think it's more driven by turkey numbers than than uh fur prices but i do feel like in the last year or two there's been a little bit of resurgence uh because i think people finally realize that you know somebody's got to do something and so I've seen a lot more people being more interested in, especially raccoons. Um, yes. And, you know, and like you were talking about, you know, Oklahoma, it's a bait state. Uh, you know, everybody's got a feeder out there or, you know, yep. two or three or seven, whatever it is. And yep. and so, you know, that's definitely not helping. All you're doing is just attracting more coons, making them healthier, helping them breed. I've, and I've so said I've said that myself. I sure have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, here in the, in South Arkansas, I'm gonna say, right around 1981, there was a disease or something hit our harpoons and they died out. We didn't we didn't have a whole lot for a couple of years. It took three years for them to make a comeback. You know, Mother Nature will help, but it, Mother Nature is also very unpredictable about when, when you never know when. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. But there are a lot of coons, and they're all over the United States. I mean, they're, they're, the right. population is 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 at a pinnacle right now. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, in a couple months we might have to do a episode round two and just talk about trapping because I think that'd be, that'd be I, a good I one. I would like to do. You know, I've, I've uh, if you walked up to me and just right out of the blue said, "Bobcat, what are your professional at?" I would. Uh, as far as being an outdoorsman, I'd, I'd say I'm a professional trapper. And even though I don't do it anymore, you know, you, you, it's amazing. It's just so much fun. And you're out there at a time of the year when there's not hardly anybody else in the woods. Sometimes you're the only mm-hmm. one out there. And that's, yeah. that's, that's pretty rare. You know, the woods, the ATVs have made the woods get a lot smaller. Yeah. Woods aren't big like they used to be. Mm-hmm. So you can get, you know, you you're on a lease somewhere. You're gonna have a hard time going where there's not a 
ATV trail within 300 yards. Mm-hmm. So it's the ATV has changed the the whole outlook of the of the hunting situation quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can remember it was fun to walk. You know, you have the right to the best wireless service. Bravado Wireless provides the best mobile wireless, high speed internet, latest devices, and customer service at prices you feel good about. Bravado Wireless strives to put these values first and offer you the best wireless service available. See what they have to offer at bravadowireless.com or one of their retail locations in eastern Oklahoma. Let Bravado Wireless connect you to your family, friends, and business partners all over the world. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. Well, uh, we're coming up on time here pretty quick, but uh, i got to ask you one more question. If... uh, I, I'm sure you got one deep down in there. I know you said you're not a huge turkey hunter, but uh, you got. Uh... I've got a, I've got a, a, a youngster I'm going to take this year locally and okay. to try to take a bird for him. Um, but you know, I, I'll be honest, and I and I don't. You when you read my website, you look at my website. I say I'm I'm not that much of a turkey hunter. Um, it's it's. <laughs> It's ironic that I that I'm making turkey calls. It really is because I know so much more about other types of hunting, especially deer. But it's just it was you know it was the it was the hand that fate dealt me, and and mm-hmm. you know I, I'm enjoying it so much. I don't I don't even know how to describe it to to the audience. Right? Mm-hmm. I I'm I've got a lot of a lot of youngsters that have taken their first bird with my calls and I've got some people who took their last bird and they've passed on, you know, mm-hmm. my call. So, you know, I'm getting to share a little bit of people's lives and I'm going to be honest with you. It's, it's, it's quite awesome. It really is. Good. I'm very humble. Good. I'm very yeah. <laughs> good. Yeah. Well, I, I want, I want to hear your, your number one go-to turkey tip. If somebody's listening to this and you know, maybe it's their first season, maybe it's their 20th season. Uh, what's, what's one good turkey hunting tip you got for us? The the greatest thing that's, that's not, you know, the greatest thing about it all is, well, it'd be a combination of little things, but make, make it, make, challenge yourself to take an older bird, but just don't Mm -hmm. call so much. Mm. Don't, don't overcall. That's, that's probably the most, the most, uh, the biggest mistake made most of the time is, you know, if, if you if you make an, I don't care what you do, if you hoot or whatever you do, or you make a little soft yelp, and you hear that bird gobble way out there, and you say, wow, I wonder if you could hear me. Yeah, he could hear you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he heard you. And just, just you know, and you you, you, t- you mentioned this earlier, and I, here's another thing that's very important is, if you're hunting what you call hunting blind, if you didn't put a bird to roost and you're just walking out there somewhere, why why call loud? Because the bird might be 60, 70 yards from you in a tree and you just didn't happen to spook it and you would never know it. And if you call really, really loud, you know, it, it, can, uh, it, it, can, it can increase your chances, first of all, on making a mistake. Because I don't care who you are. And, I, you know, I've, I've built... Thirteen or fourteen thousand calls in the last ten years, but I I still boo boo on one, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's I I tell I tell people this: if if your calling ability is equal to a pair of twos, play a pair of twos. Don't try to play a ace, pair of aces. Yeah, that's that's that's, the that's a great. T- I love that saying. I've never heard that before. I, I like that a lot. Do what you can comfortably do. If you can put and purr, do that. Mm-hmm. If you can soft yelp, do that. Don't try to play the pair of tunes that you've got. Don't don't try to turn those tunes into aces. That's mm-hmm. that's my that's 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 my little saying, and I, my original little saying. And most people can relate to that if they've ever played cards. <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> right. I'm I'm way more likely to have those twos than those aces when I well, play. So you know. Uh, but- Really, well, the bird 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 hunting is a you're not going to win the calling contest with the bird. Mm-hmm. You, you're flirting with the bird the large part of the time. It's a flirtation game. It's a hard to get game. You know, especially after the first weekend of the season when they get called out a lot. 
from then on, it's all a, a flirtation game. So you got to learn how to flirt. Yeah. That's it. I like it, man. I, I feel like I asked for one tip and got about three in there. Well, but that's that's, that's perfect. Now. Hard to give out one thing, but oh yeah, no, but, I, that wasn't a complaint. Well, you know, <laughs> not 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 just playing within your means. That would that would mm-hmm. that that's that's a, that's very important to any hunter, any turkey mm-hmm. hunter. Yeah, patience. Yeah. Throw it in there somewhere. <laughs> that's right. You know, I didn't yeah, get that's. Talk, I didn't get that's where I. Sh- well, I didn't That's, get to talk to you long enough to figure out what kind of hunter you are, so... Oh, <laughs> well, patience is definitely not my strong suit, but I, I'm working on it. I I finally called in a, a good bird last year, and was you know that taught that taught me a lot about patience. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Bobcat, uh, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, "Man, I have to get one of these calls," uh, why don't you tell well, them where to get it? Uh, my website is www.amcallstom.com. Um, you can just Google me. I'm all over the internet. You can Google Keith Bobcat Williams or AM Calls. I, you can find me. I'm not hard to find. I'm all over the internet. You know, after 10 years, I'll, I'm kind of starting to be somebody, you know. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I, I just, and, and, and I'll, I'll, here's one more thing I want to say before we get off the air. Uh-huh. I, I've had a lot of opportunities to give up at this because I it's I've had a lot of doors slammed in my face but I I I just haven't and I just won't mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that that's good advice to all any young person out there. You, you a lot of times good things don't happen. You got to you got to really stick with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is some that's, people that's take hard headed, but that's not necessarily <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well Keith, I have really, really enjoyed this. I can't thank you I enough for coming on. I enjoyed it, and and you'll have to get me back. We'll do a we'll do a uh, a trapping thing sometime. Absolutely, absolutely, right. I'd love that. Thank well, thank well I appreciate it, and we'll talk to you later. Thank you very much. And there we go, folks. Huge shout out to Mister Keith bobcat williams for coming on talking about all his turkey calls and man i'm telling you these things are beautiful they're unique and uh you know anytime you can do something a little bit different than the other people that you're kind of competing against it's always a good thing so yeah check keith out um man a bonus little uh predator segment in there in the middle and uh, i know several of you have been asking me about how, doing a trapping episode so we might have to have keith back on talk about some uh some coyote trapping some raccoon trapping all the good stuff because man those predators really really are wreaking havoc across the nation on our poor little turkey population so all right that's it for this week guys um yeah i'm like i said uh, at the beginning me and my daughter are going to be heading out to uh the ranch this weekend uh getting ready for a little thing that i'll probably be telling y'all about in the next week or two we'll see but uh so yeah that's my plan i hope everybody's safe i hope everybody's having a good time get out there enjoy the great outdoors and until next time i will see y'all right back here on the oklahoma outdoors podcast 